God, thank you for the hope that we have in you uh, through Christ. I pray that we would set our eyes on that, that our strength would come from that. Um, I pray that you would bless us this morning, God, that you would be with us, that you would help us just to, to see your face more clearly this morning, God. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. First, I thank you to Scott for filling in for Phil, and then we, we had just talked about getting slides wrong. <laughs> and so we've just because we love him let's 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 confuse it though make him make him hunt so thank you scott for putting up with the fact that sometimes brandon and i are not exactly on the same page really we could blame pop because probably pop sings those songs differently so let's let's do that Does that work <laughs> The last, well, the last line of what I thought was the last line of that song. Um, the cross was enough. And we sing that the cross was enough. The cross. We should believe that, right? The problem is that oftentimes we don't believe it or we forget it. Um, I was reminded of that uh, last night. We reading through the book and came to a section that I want to want to read to you because it fits exactly with what I want to talk about briefly before we celebrate the Lord's Supper together and before we spend some time in prayer. Um, without going into a lot of detail, I'm just going to jump into the middle of a conversation um, that I think will become clear. A queen is asking a question of a, of a, of a young boy. She says, Do you remember... Remember what, Your Highness? Your true self. Do you remember who you are? Yes, ma'am. Most of the time, but it's getting harder. And then there's some other conversation that doesn't play into that, and, and the boy comes back and says, So once someone remembers their true name, they're cured? He asked. I wish it were so, she said. We all forget from time to time, and so we need each other to tell us our stories. Sometimes a story is the only way back from darkness. You forget too? He asked. And I think that is, that's the crux of our problem. We have been given a new name. We, we've been told who we really are. We're, we're God's children. We're redeemed. We're saved. We're promised eternity. We're children of the King. And yet we forget. We forget because we walk out into the world or we, or we even sit here and, and even in the midst of, of this place at times, things from outside are fuming and fussing and messing with our minds and trying to, in, with all their power, to make us forget who we are and whose we are. John begins his gospel, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, an echo back to the very beginning of the story. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I don't know why God did that. Theologians have discussed various reasons why God would create to begin with. None of those are very satisfactory in my mind. He just did. He created beauty and wonder and humanity. 
And it wasn't enough for us to walk with him in the cool of the garden and just listen to him tell the story. We wanted a quicker fix to get wisdom. We, we thought there was a shortcut to maybe a better story, or maybe we just felt like, I'm not interested in your story, God, I want to build my own story, and so um, we fell. It wasn't just Adam and Eve, it was you too and me. We show up on the planet and we don't like God's story or even our parents' story or our friend's story, and so we say, I'm going to write my own. And the rest of Scripture, from Genesis 3 on, is this story, this wonderful story of God pursuing redemption and blessing for His people. And He gives us glimpses of what that looks like when we ignore that pursuit. These big picture glimpses, the, the total turning their back on God of people in Noah's time and the flood and that destruction. And we think, oh, that will cleanse everything. That will wipe everything away. And then very shortly after that, we get the story of, of society as a whole thinking, we can, we can build our own story at Babel. And I think just for the sheer sake of not overwhelming us with these horrid images of the mass of humanity turning their back on God, the, the, the focus, the camera zooms in on one particular small family in the ancient Near East, a man named Abram and his wife Sarah. I think because if you kept telling this big picture, if we kept seeing the destruction of humanity against humanity, we'd, we'd quit reading. And he says, let's focus on this one person. And slowly and almost imperceptibly, we begin to unfold this pursuit of redemption and blessing. In chapter 12 of Genesis, he promises Abraham that through you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And we don't really get that or understand how that is. And immediately there's a danger. And the danger is we begin to look at these people in the Old Testament as, as heroes. Abraham, he's, he's, well, he's Father Abraham, right? We sing about him in Sunday school. And Moses, he led the children out of the Promised Land. And David was a great king. And on and on from Abraham to Malachi, we, we can choose a myriad of heroes that we can look up to and rever and, and honor and say, man, these people got it right. And if we do that, we've missed the point of the story. Because throughout the story, what we see is that all of those people are broken and fallen and messed up just like you and I are. They're not any different than you and I. They're adulterers, they're murderers, they're liars, they're fearful, they're prideful. From beginning to end, God pursues these people one at a time and then families at a time and a nation through broken and fallible and wounded people. And if we forget that story, and if we forget that we're part of that story, then nothing we talk about in, in First Peter will make any sense because there's all these commands in there that tells us what to do. And we think, okay, that's what I need to do to earn God's favor. 
And if we forget the story that God favors His people, and we see how that happens in Genesis chapter 15, that first person, After these things, the word of the Lord, after these things is Abraham and his nephew lousing things up royally, lies and deceit and fear, even after God's promises, right? After these things, God smacked him upside the head, right? That's what it should have said. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Fear not, Abram, I am your shield. Your reward shall be very great. And that doesn't make any sense. And Abraham knew it didn't make any sense. O oh Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, Behold, you have given me no offspring, and a member of my household will be my heir. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him, This man shall not be your heir, your own son shall be your heir. And he brought him outside and said, Look toward the heaven, and number the stars if you are able to number them. And he said, So shall your offspring be. And Abram believed the Lord, and God accounted it to him as righteousness. And if we forget that part of the story, then we'll look at those guys, Abraham and Moses and David and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and Samuel and Hezekiah and Josiah. We'll look at them as heroes and we'll miss the point of the story that God is pursuing you to redeem you and bless you. And then to pick you up and carry you along in the story so that you can be used by Him to redeem and bless others. And what we learn in Romans chapter 4 and then again kind of a summary of that whole chapter in Galatians 3 is if you are in Christ, you are Abraham's offspring. You're one of those stars that he looked up and counted. Not whether you perfectly accomplished the tasks that Peter has been calling us to do for the last six months. It's whether you're in Christ or not. It's whether you have accepted His death and resurrection for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you're part of the story. And if we forget that, and what God does throughout history is He does these bizarre things, like telling His people to put blood around a door, and kill a lamb and eat it as a family, and then wait. And then he takes that motif and he expands it a couple of years later, and he, and he has this person he picks out to go behind this curtain that they've constructed and sprinkle blood on a golden box. And then to come out and, and put his hand on the head of a goat and then send it out into the wilderness. These bizarre pictures that he does and on and on through the story of this slow, imperceptible hardly able to recognize because of your sin and my sin fact that God is redeeming and blessing the nations and then in the fullness of time we read that God sent forth his son born of a woman 
Because, see, he had promised David, and this also didn't make any sense and still doesn't, David, one of your descendants is going to sit on the throne forever. And then we see that David so royally messes things up that we think there's no way this dynasty is going to last. Because like all dynasties, either through assassination or accidents of nature or foreign invasion, right, dynasties come to an end. And what's amazing is all of those things happen in David's line. There are assassinations. There are accidents in war and without war. And there are foreign invasions. And yet the line continues for 500 years. And then we think, okay, we really see now that God's promises have come to an end because this country called the Babylonians come in and destroy the house where that golden box was kept. And as far as we know, despite what Indiana Jones found, that box as well was destroyed. And we think, okay, surely now God's promise has come to an end. That line is broken. And then we read in the fullness of time. A descendant of David shows up on planet Earth, and then God gives us two more bizarre pictures. The first is of that man who showed up, who's supposed to sit on the throne forever, stretched out on a a Roman device of torture and shame and death. And that doesn't make any sense either. Not any more sense than having them put blood around the door. It makes no sense unless we understand the story that God has been in the process since the fall of seeking to redeem and bless His people. And then right before that happened, He gave us another picture. He was sitting with His disciples in a room, celebrating that same bizarre ritual of killing a lamb and eating it as a family that they were supposed to do once a year, just as a reminder. And He was sitting with them in a a room And he tells them that they are supposed to do something. (coughs) He took bread. Not the first time that he had done that in his life. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them saying, This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. You might paraphrase that, saying, Guys, you're going to forget the story. And I'm giving you a picture so that you don't forget the story. I want you to take this, and on a regular basis, I want you to take it and I want you to eat it because I'm giving you my body which will nourish you. And if you stop doing this, there's a good chance you're going to forget the story. You need to do this on a regular basis so that you don't forget the story. The story is important. Because what's going to happen is you're going to walk out of this room and they're going to kill me and the world's going to offer you a different story or you're going to decide, you know what, I can write a better story. Like those folks at Babel. And like Abraham. And like Moses. And like David. And God says, what I want you to do is I want you to remember that throughout history, from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob 
to Judah and his brothers, to a king in Egypt, to Moses, to Joshua, to those other cut-ups like Gideon and Samson, to Hannah, to Samuel, to David, to Solomon, Hezekiah, Josiah, Esther, Jeremiah, Ezra, Nehemiah, Jonah. All those guys were not any different than you and I. None of them were heroes in what we would, this grand sense of what's a hero. The only reason that we look to them is because they remind us of the story. God seeks to redeem and use broken people. And He does that in marvelous, wonderful ways when it makes no sense. All of you sitting in this room, from the youngest, I suppose that's Zoe, to the oldest... are in the exact same position as Abraham. David, Jeff, Alyssa, Paul, Amy, Rebecca, Linda, go out, look up. It's the same story. So shall your descendants be. So shall those who you have an opportunity to impact with the truth of the story. And the question is, will you respond like Abraham did at that point? At other times he faltered and and forgot the story, tried to write his own. Will you believe? That's the question. And we invite you, if you believe that the death and resurrection of Christ is enough, is sufficient for the forgiveness of sins, for welcoming you into that story that God is like, then we invite you to participate with us as we share this meal. A picture, just a simple picture of what God has done for us. He gave Himself for us that we might be whole. And then someday someone may be tempted to look at us and say, oh, there's a hero, and then we say, no, no, let me tell you the story. Right? Let, let this nourish you and remind you that He has called us to be faithful. Let's pray. Father, use this to remind us of the story that we're in. And that You desire to use us as You used Abraham and Moses and David and Josiah. That Your fame may be known throughout the world. God, that Your name may be great. That the nations would come and bow down to You and bring You the honor and glory that You deserve. Use this, God, to nourish our souls and remind us of the story that we're in. And we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. And likewise, the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. 
again, an, an odd picture that <clears throat> blood which from the very, very beginning, before the law, before Moses, before Abraham, blood was one of those things that was not to be consumed. It was precious. It's where life is. And yet Jesus calls us and says, here's a, here's a picture of what you need, and you need my blood, and you need to receive it, and so I want you to take this and drink of it, which would have almost been blasphemous to a Jew. And he said, this is necessary. If you don't receive all of me, then you do not have life in yourself. Because our blood eventually runs out. Our blood eventually stops pumping through our body and we die. And Jesus says, I have something to offer you that will never perish. Because life is in the blood. We're reminded over and over again in Leviticus. And this is true blood. Nourishes us and sustains us, not only in this life, but for eternity. Father, thank you for the sacrifice of your Son. Thank you for allowing us to be one of Abraham's stars through what your Son did on the cross. We praise you and we praise him. And we are blessed and honored to be a part of your family. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat>